This is GSAP Conversations from the Graduate School of Architecture, Planning and Preservation at Columbia University in New York City. I'm Dean Amal Andraus. Thanks for listening. My name is AL. Design Bitches is a firm started by Catherine and Rebecca in 2010 in LA. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. Thanks for having Thank us. Thank you. So your firm's name is unique and is indicative of your philosophy, process, and work. How do you balance, as the LA Weekly puts it, the pragmatic and the punk? How do you balance design and bitches, so to speak? I think I would say we try to keep some sense of humor and irreverence in the work that we do. You know, it can be challenging responding to the pragmatic needs of the clients, but we try not to filter out too much of the things that influence us that might be more on the, the punk side. And also we have clients that kind of appreciate that and are looking for something a little bit different. So that helps as well. Yeah. I mean, I think we, we often talk about uh, finding lots of inspiration in Los, living in Los Angeles. And I think a lot of the people who live in Los Angeles sort of, there's a little bit of a rebellious spirit sort of underneath. We work with a lot of creative people or, you know, maybe, so I think they're also looking to play with things that, mixing of things that might be sort of more street culture or considered potentially lowbrow and finding ways of working it into a space in an interesting way. I think that helps us kind of adding, just playing with subtle details in spaces allows us to kind of mix strange materials in unusual ways together that I think kind of harkens back to, there's also this exaggerated like sense of casualness, I think, that helps us sort of keep talking about like what might be happening in pop culture or street culture. And it completely can be related to some of our clients' businesses. Because a lot of the people, you know, when we started working, doing some restaurants, it's like the removal of the white tablecloth. Like even if you're spending several hundred dollars on dinner, it's a much more, like people were seeking a more casual environment and, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a slightly bit more funky. So there's more room for us to embed some of that punk. Cool. I like that. Spirit, um, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> I like that learning from living in Los Angeles. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's a nice way to put it. Um, so you spoke a little bit about your process and how um, keeping it casual kind of keeps the conversation going. Um, I guess another question to that would be like, what are some of your influences like within and outside of the profession of architecture? Um, like it is LA, but um, do you have like specific examples and like how much of it is aesthetic and how much of it is a process-based influence? Examples, well. So many. Yeah, I mean, there's just <laughs> everything. <laughs> um, I mean, outside of architecture is maybe easier to talk about in mm-hmm. some ways because, you know, we just know what we're like passionate about and inspired by fashion is one that we're both interested in you know we can be inspired by colors or you know techniques and cuts and things like that art contemporary art too we look at a lot um you know it just helps it helps keep you sort of in the you know looking at the connection between like materials and and production and uh conceptual ideas in a way that sometimes it's nice if it's not architecture per se because you don't you're not worried about 
processing exactly how it applies. You can kind of observe it and let your reactions be a little freer, I would say. Mm-hmm. Architectures may be harder. I mean, although, except, you know, I think that we both maybe didn't necessarily imagine ourselves rooting in Los Angeles, like when we got there. And it is sort of a city that has this history of architectural experimentation that does feel as an architect, like very freeing. Like there's just kind of mess with stuff all over town. There's this freedom to kind of feel like there could be a place for you to insert something on any scale. I'm really heavily influenced by music also. I think that we talk a lot about layering in our process, whether it be, you know, deep ideas or materiality. And I think that music is another genre or another art form that works a lot with either sampling or layering of like rhythms and beats and things Mm -hmm. uh, with melodies sort of running through them. And I think that when I think about space or when we think about space, we're kind of weaving a song or a story like in the way that we assemble things together. So I often find myself listening to music. Yeah, and architecture, you know, historic architecture in Los Angeles is something that we visit and we can be inspired by and also kind of like question its relationship to the city and the evolution of what happened. And then also real estate development Mm. is really interesting to watch and look at. And it's not, you know, necessarily inspirational from an aesthetic viewpoint, but it helps to understand how neighborhoods develop and grow and how the city evolves and it's something that's very sort of forward in Los Angeles and easily accessible. So, oh, you the question about the aesthetic, <laughs> aesthetic versus, what was the other aesthetic versus? Versus process. Process. Yeah. I mean, for us, process is the most important thing, mm-hmm. I would say. The process is kind of what drives the work more so than the expectation of the end result. Right. It's almost like the aesthetic is a byproduct of the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So your work spans the range of varying aspects of design from architectural work to brand identity. And that's something that kind of students at GSAP think about a lot, um, where like, what are the boundaries of architecture and what are the boundaries of design and what we can do? Um, So how does your process change for each of these project types or do they influence each other? Like does branding work influence your architectural work or the other way around? I would say it can. I mean, it's really at the root of our entire practice and our name itself Mm -hmm. was looking that architecture it was really a response to a question what you know what is architecture and our response was it's about design bitches and the whole the point of that for us was that we are constantly looking at other disciplines and we feel like architecture as a practice and as a discipline being more varied actually as adds a richness to it and allows it to be accessible to a broader audience on varied scales. So when we work on branding things in particular, I mean, one thing we love the pace of like sort of small scale, quickly paced with like the more longer drawn out uh, is good from a business perspective and also just kind of a creative, creatively interesting process. But we, we kind of go back and forth. I would say that our branding work, especially a lot of the projects that we've done, some of the more commercial projects, we've been able to do both the spatial design, like the architecture, the interiors, the out exterior space, bordering like sort of hardscape with the landscape, 
and branding. So bringing all those, tying all those things together, especially in a space where people are coming and spending a large amount of time and getting them all to sort of speak a similar language. If it's a restaurant, for example, like, and it's also speaking the same language as the food and the, the sense of the place, I think that's when things really start to sing. Yeah, no doubt the sort of inspiration that we look to for the graphic work influences, you know, the way that we're building the 3D spaces and, and, and vice versa too, I would say. We're more, you know, we have much more of a background coming in the architecture side. So we're figuring out what it is that we're doing on the graphics and branding side. And we'll see, you know, how we evolve over time. I would think they will get more interlinked. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when Aisha and I were going through um, your work, we were really struck by a lot of your extra small projects on the website. Um, we, we like how it's like large, medium, small, extra small. And we love all the, um, like there's a lot of exhibitions that you guys have done too. Mm -hmm. So you really have like a foot in the art world too. Um, and we were specifically looking at, there's a collaborative hoodie project. <laughs> we really wanted to know what that was about and if that like ended up influencing like a larger project or was that like a one-off? It, it needs I to. I brought it that'll up be, the other day. Nice. No, we did. I was trying to use it for something. That was actually part of our uh, initial submission to the AIA, the Arches competition that we oh. received honorable mention for and Design Bitches was born of. And... We're putting together a portfolio of partially real and partially fictitious projects. That's one of the fictitious projects. But it was, essentially, we were kind of trying it's to make a point about collaboration. That's, and that's like right. multiple viewpoints always make it stronger, not weaker. It's not like it grays it out. It actually intensifies like the idea. So I think, And I not think being afraid to zip ourselves together. <laughs> yeah, I think stage two is in order. Yeah. Hoodie phase two. Yeah. Um, what what do you think is unique about your partnership then? Like, what makes this hoodie special? <laughs> <laughs> we collaborate pretty seamlessly, would say. I mean, there's we feed off of each other, and we have you know we have a, a lot of different interests, but we somehow think about things in a similar way, uh, which can be it's sort of intangible and hard to describe, other than we just know from working together that it works. Mm -hmm. um, Part of the strength of it is that we're like open to the other person's passions. And so if one person feels more strongly about something, you know, they win. <laughs> <laughs> and it and it makes everything better. You know, the the mm -hmm. result is much stronger than work that we could do individually. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, I think that it's it's been nice too. I mean, we have a very honest partnership, I think, and we are comfortable enough, like, actually, even for kind of from the beginning, we were comfortable enough that we felt like we could say anything to each other in a good way, in a constructive way, so it kind of let you f feel like you could start talking about something, and she could almost, like, finish the sentence, and it may not be where you thought the sentence was going to go, but it still is an ending that works, and maybe it works even better than you originally anticipated, so it's kind of a nice... Um, it's been a good back It's and like forth. having another brain, you know. <laughs> I mean, I'm always like really excited by the stuff that she shows me and, you know, I don't know, it's just yeah. it's awesome to have multiple And you know, when you work together filters. with someone for a while, I feel like you start to know we're learning now as our office grows. We we both have this love of injecting a little weirdness or something slightly odd 
in an unexpected place, perhaps. And that is one of the intangibles that is hard for us to translate outside of ourselves. <laughs> like, I think our, I think our studio, well, what they, do we mean they're by learning weird. and growing and they insert their other, <laughs> like, right, exactly. But I think you and I, we've had conversations about how we kind of know, but, and they're figuring out and then they're starting to insert their own versions of what that could be too, which is exciting for us as we carry on. Yeah. Yeah, and I and I think that that weirdness or that partnership kind of shows up in the work. Like you, you can tell that you're working together. <laughs> yeah. Um, so also on the website on your um, about us page, it says that your projects wink at history, which I think is a very visual way of describing an attitude, which is nice. Um, what's what's been your favorite cheeky moment or unexpected design solution, or when do you find yourself winking at history? Well, I mean, there's. There, I can start with the obvious, which is this series of portraits that we did, Masters of Architecture, mm -hmm. where we dressed up as famous architects, and most of them male. I think the only, well, there were two, two women in the group. Yeah. Really, it was kind of an excuse for us to wear wigs, and it was, but it was a little bit winking at kind of the history of architecture and what it means to, like, is there... Is it just about you, or is it more about your work? Like, mm -hmm. is it? And we're kind of in the. We think it's a little less, or we can take our work very seriously without taking ourselves quite so seriously, and still be relevant. I mean, we we talk a lot about different time periods, and we make weird winks. I think actually in our button mash project, there's this sort of undercurrent of like detectives, and it's near. Elysian Park, which is like where the police academy is, and, and everybody who lives over there kind of knows there used to be a cafeteria that you could go to, and it was kind of this weird like neighborhood haunt, and you know, sort of rooting some of the film noir of like Chinatown and like winking into film at film history and local lore, maybe of like what could have taken place is kind of woven into that project a bit, which is fun. It's usually quite subtle. Yeah. It's a subtle wink. Yeah. You have any? No comment. <laughs> no, no comment on subtle winks. That covered it. Um, <laughs> and then we just, we also do, though, share a love of some of the historic buildings in LA because there's this like kind of crazy grand, but with an intimate scale about them. Like actually, that, that theater that now is in the Ace Hotel is like this crazy, and it has an incredible history that it was built by a bunch of silent film actors, like built this, this kind of this god. It's very like Gaudi on the inside, mm -hmm. which is super cool. Yeah. Do you, do you think that most of your projects do have like this connection to history? Just because like you're working within the fabric of LA, and so your work has to kind of look back on what the neighborhood is like and what used to be there? Yeah, I mean, we have thus far worked on primarily um, like renovations or uh, adaptive reuse projects or, or interior TIs. So we're dealing with the, you know, the history of the building mm -hmm. kind of, and we always look at the neighborhood and see kind of what the ghosts are and what, you know, maybe was there on multiple levels that could feed in the story and we you know we'll look at the kind of standard reading of the history and then we also try to look for the sort of like subversive elements or the undercurrents and be open to the history in that way I guess yeah I think I mean even in our we have more ground up and built work this in process right now and even for those projects I think we like we kind of like to say that we're unencumbered by time period in a way, and I think that 
one of the risks of living in a world with lots of good design sort of plastered all over your phone every morning, there's this potential of sameness mm -hmm. that if that's where you're looking for inspiration and or, or potentially could be stuck in something trendy. And I think that we love to kind of dig into weird other time periods for influences, whether it be in materiality or form or how the spaces are working together or how people interact with space. We look a lot at human interaction in the space because it's important to us. And I think that is endlessly inspiring for us because it just op it kind of opens it up and then taking things from different periods of time and kind of mashing them together creates this oddness that we love so much yeah that, that seems like a really interesting process that's like very inspired by not just what's going on now but also what what has been what in has the past. been yeah. yeah so my very last question is what's the biggest lesson that you've learned as practitioners and if you could start over from the beginning would there be anything that you'd do differently my immediate reaction is no yeah me i too. mean it's gone very well, well we, I would say I think the, the, it's, it's you could never have predict. I never no. would have could have predicted mm -hmm. the way that this has the trajectory has gone. And we had no, yeah, we had no intention mm -hmm. of making it be what it is when it started. So, but we've been guiding it and slowly growing things. Yeah. Um, I mean, the I biggest think, lesson. I was going to say the intention. I think was we wanted to start thinking like remembering what things really got us excited about thinking about art and architecture in the first place so we really kind of threw out this probably our truest voice and we're just like just kind of threw it out into the air <laughs> and see if anything so I think there yeah. is a lesson especially for students to like throwing something out there it can fall flat sometimes it might stick someone might like it someone might hate it but I think there's room for a multiple voices and I think it actually will make the practice richer the more diverse that voice, those voices can be because then we can all just be looking to each other. Like we can look outside of the discipline, but we can also look within the discipline for this like varying influence and inspiration. That and the fact that you should not be afraid to create what I like to call a lean startup in your design practice. And I think for us, we really, we kept ourselves tiny and brought in, like collaborated with other people in the beginning. And by doing so, it really enables you to kind of chart your course and be at the steering wheel and sort of direct, like creating your own voice out in the world and kind of picking up things along the way without either getting lost in what you think might be, you know, the need for a fancy office. It can be your car. <laughs> or a local cafe for a while or you know I mean and really we're so mobile now All, a lot of those things are starting to break away anyway mm -hmm. so having you know meetings out within the city you actually are absorbing other things simultaneously mm -hmm. so I think it's been really helpful for us yeah and I think that's a really important lesson for people to hear about too because I think uh, going back to like influences I think it's really easy to like fall into what's trendy or like what's next sure. but to like really dig deep within yourself too is kind of yeah and thing. also you can get discouraged if you see you know your aspirations are really high I mean it's not bad to have great aspirations but it can be discouraging because to get from point a to point b seems impossible but if you just kind of keep doing stuff and making things then it can evolve naturally into something I mean we started out 
thinking we just wanted to do projects for ourselves mm -hmm. that were, were things, this art installations and things we were interested in. And it turned into, you know, something that we can support ourselves with. So mm -hmm. that's great. And now we have to figure out, you know, where the next piece of it is, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for such an inspiring talk and informative, and we look forward to hearing your lecture. You can find more information about the school on our website at arc.columbia.edu.